And now on this episode of Miami Miked Up, I am very pleased to welcome in Amy Audibert, the brand new radio analyst and television studio host for the Miami Heat, and, you know, a, a new co-worker of mine who I'm very happy to have here. Uh, Amy, it's so nice to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. No, thanks for having me. I, I laughed because I said you and Kelly were rookies for about two weeks, and then I came uh-huh. in, and now you you had a quick jump to sophomore. And <laughs> yeah, that is, grizzled. You're bet. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for making me feel like a, a, a veteran out there, considering yeah. it's just been a couple of games. Um, and nothing says welcome back to Miami to someone who's been here before, like a hurricane in November. Um, so very strange uh, for everything to be happening now. Hopefully, um, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday. Hopefully the rest of Wednesday and early Thursday morning is is okay for everybody here in Miami. Um, but Amy, I do want to ask you before we get into basketball, before we get into your career, what is something outside of the workplace that has recently brought you joy? Ooh, um, I would say actually yesterday, just reconnecting with one of my old college friends. Uh, I a lot of people that you know I love had a lot a lot of love for. Uh, just don't talk all the time anymore because you know time distance all that stuff. And then we got to reconnect yesterday and kind of keep finding these gems of oh I'm back, you know. And that was yeah. definitely one of them. Just to sit and have a nice coffee, and it was nice because it's been a crazy couple weeks. So just to kind of go to a lovely little coffee shop before the wind got too bad and just sit down mm-hmm. and have a nice, a nice uh, caffeinated beverage and just to chat and, you know, yeah. Talk about other things uh, as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. To have, uh, you know, things going on outside of, uh, of the sports world when you're working in the sports world can be a little bit difficult. Um, so to be able to have those moments, I definitely always savor those as well. And we will start talking about your college career and being down here in just a moment, but we do have to start with some of the Heat analysis before we get into uh, your career. So the Heat have gotten off to a bit of a slower start than I think most would have hoped to start this season. You know, you have a team right now that has been struggling kind of on both ends if we really look at it, and that's led to their 4-7 and record so far, lost a couple of games in a row. So Amy, what do you attribute to the Heat's slow start so far? What 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 would you say is the biggest thing that's been their detriment thus far this season? I, I think it's just been the the change in roles and rotations, and that's just um, it's the NBA, and a lot of teams are dealing with it all the time. But for Miami, obviously, having some new guys step up into starting roles doesn't just affect the offense and defense on the starting side; it also huh. greatly affects the bench. Um, yep. And so, and even in the last couple of games, we're seeing some guys miss some games with injuries. It, I mean, you just got to figure it out on the fly, but it's easier said than done. It's funny. I was actually talking to my a friend who, who's a coach uh, in another G League organization this morning, and we were just talking about, you know, how crazy the East is. And, and he's, and, you know, he brought it up and we were both kind of chatting. You just say, you know, you look at a lot of these younger teams who are Indiana, Sacramento, they're just, they're playing super tough, new coaches or younger coaches. And, within the organization. And um, then there's the old, the guys, the teams that have the veterans who understand that they, you know, but there's no panic. You're 11 games yeah. in, you certainly got to win games. These next two, I think at home against Charlotte are big just to get closer to that 500, but they've got to play hard. Um, but I think just, again, like putting, especially Tyler into that starting um, lineup, that's, it might not seem like a big deal. And every, I understand you look at his numbers and, you know, you can watch his game alone from the numbers. He's an incredible basketball player. That right. means that people got to give up shots and defensively 
it's just different chemistry. And I know, I know the fan base here is very passionate and they expect to win, right? They, this yes. is the Miami heat and they put themselves in the position to compete for championships every single year. And so I understand that's not looking as instant this year. Huh. Uh, but I think, you know, when you look at a team, it's like Miami, who's got these really good, strong vets and these younger guys who aren't brand new and they've tasted mm-hmm. that, you know, number one in the East, they've tasted that. I think it, it'll be fine. Um, it's just at, at the same time, you definitely want to start winning some games here. Certainly. And and with a couple against Charlotte, you want to get those under your belt. You got Phoenix after that. That's no, no walk in the park, that's for sure. But I, I, I really have to agree with what you just mentioned there as well that I think is something that when everybody has heard the term run it back all offseason long, you hear run it back and everybody just thinks that that automatically means it's the same team with the same chemistry, with the same roles. When you really look at it, all of these guys are playing with units that they didn't necessarily play very much with last year. And so when you have that change in chemistry, there's bound to be lapses on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So I think that's a great point. Um, When we do talk about the bright spots that we've seen so far, you know, through 11 games, there have been a ton of really solid individual performances. Is there a player that stands out to you that you've looked at over these first 11 games and gone, yeah, that guy is really performing well for this team. I'm excited about where it's headed so far. Yeah, I mean, I was a former post player, so I, (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Obviously, it's the first place and and Bam for a couple of years now has been one of my favorite, if not my favorite center in the league. So actually mm. um, last year when I was with the Raptors and they acquired Precious Achua, I was pumped. Yep. Because everyone was kind of like not sure him. And I was like, listen, he's been practicing behind my favorite center in this league for a whole year. I love that. So, um, and it's funny because my first game here was against the Raptors and it came yeah. up and it came up in our production meeting about, oh, Amy loves Precious. And I'm like, I love <laughs> Precious because I love Bam, you know? It's great. Um, and so I think it's just, watching what how he impacts the game on the offensive and defensive end i think he's a great screen setter and you know doesn't get a whole lot of attention for that but where i think he's really fun is because he sets screens on the perimeter on the three-point line but then he moves without the ball and finds Mm. you see him kind of getting down i would say getting down the gut or the middle of the paint all the time without the ball in his hands and he gets set up for some nice logs and defensively he's obviously a huge impact as well so it's really hard for me to to uh not start there (laughs) but you know it's funny i know um game was it the last it was a portland game where there was four five or six guys that had like 15 points like to me that's And I know it doesn't look great where you don't get the win, but you're going, this is this is a great basketball because they're all capable of scoring. So mm-hmm. um, on the offensive side, it was I would start with Bam, but I mean, everyone's kind of had their moments. Yeah, those first three quarters, it seemed like everything was going great against Portland. Oh, I was sitting there like, oh. We were having a great oh, time yeah, on the radio right? broadcast. We were, we were having a great old time, and it's kind of like yeah. – you're looking and you're going, I can't believe this is happening. Well, you can't believe it. Right? Was, it was crazy. But you're going like, you feel pretty confident going into that mm. fourth quarter. And then, but you don't think you'd have to say learning or anything to a team that is supposedly you're running it back. But I think everything is still, a, it is a journey. It's an 82 yeah. game season. And I don't think the expectations to go 82 and 0. So um, right. you rather these kind of growing pains at the beginning of the year than in March. And I think that that's, that's a great totally point. Fair. And, uh, I hope everyone's kind of giving this group some grace because they've got, they check, they're check a lot of boxes on paper. 
look, this is a t- the same team or the same fan base that watched a starting lineup play three games together during last regular season before going into the playoffs, right? It's all about hitting your stride at the right moment. Just like you said, you'd rather have, you know, these lumps taken here at the beginning of the season and hopefully be able to right the ship, you know, before the all-star break, uh, get things on on the right track and, you know, sooner rather than later. But still, it, there's plenty of time to sort of get the season going the right way. But you mentioned the post player in Bama to bio and you were a post player yourself and and something I'm fascinated by here is you grew up in Ontario but then end up at the University of Miami I have to know what the adjustment was like as a teenager coming down to Miami from Canada what what was that like what was the whirlwind like coming here as a freshman to play basketball in Miami it was crazy I mean (laughs) yeah 17 years old and I have a super big and tight family and you know you just come down here and realize that everyone lives a little bit different, you know, just (laughs) culture, huge culture shock. Um, but I loved it. It wasn't anything I didn't love. Um, we were a top 25 team that year. So we were really competitive and I always say like, I didn't play a lot, but I had the best seat in the house when we were at UConn and (laughs) you know, like we got, um, all those. So yeah, complete, complete culture shock for me. But, um, and I keep going back to Miami being a second home because I was here from 17 to I think 22 or 23 years old. And when you look at just like that time in someone's life, you really kind of start to discover who you are. You really, especially when you're, when you, you don't have your family right beside you. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was incredible. And just getting to play at, at the U obviously big East ACC, I mean, it was just such an incredible experience. And if you love college basketball at the time, those are the conferences that you want to be playing in. So with the women's side. So it was it was just an incredible experience. Well, I imagine making that decision was tough. So what what drew you to the city? Like what drew you to being at Miami? Yeah, so my last two schools were um, Niagara University, which is 10 minutes over the border from my house or the University of Miami. Those were my last two schools. And um, the recruiting pitch from Niagara U was just, hey, you want to be a big fish in a little pond? Come here. You know, you might have your jersey on the wall one day, you know, or if you want to be a little fish in a big pond. Yeah, like they were like, then you got to go to Miami. And for me, I've never I've never been scared to just be part of something way bigger than myself. And I knew I wasn't necessarily I probably wouldn't have my jersey on the wall (laughs) down here. And that, that was okay um for being a basketball player anyways but you know I it was a, like I said a top 25 team and I just said if I don't do this I I'm never gonna live it down and wow. uh yeah I mean there's just something I just wanted to, I wanted the experience I wanted the big time I wanted the big time and I didn't care you know where I fit into that role but I knew I could contribute you know I knew I could contribute cool in some way yeah so anyways when I when I called Niagara U is uh, the head coach at the time was named was his name was Bill Gronin, and he actually was just congratulations. Um, he said, "If things don't work out, you always got a spot here." And that kind of just mm. that message made it so much more easier to go because it wasn't like, you know, you. And that's just when I hear coaches and the way that they react or don't react to players' decisions is I always laugh. I coached a little bit in college in Canada, and that was something I always kind of kept with me. Right? Is that you know you got to let young adults because they're not kids when you're playing college basketball like you you got you got a huge responsibility um so yeah no it was it was it was a crazy experience it was a long time ago how how cool is that though that somebody 
who never even actually ended up being your coach had such an effect on what your life ultimately ended up being, right? Like, who knows if you're even here working this job today if it wasn't Miami specifically, right? Like, like the opportunity to end up there and, and while you were at the University of Miami as well, you were all ACC academic team. And that's incredibly impressive to me um, that yeah, you were able to achieve that as the quote unquote student athlete because we know how difficult that process can be. So were you always a high achiever academically? Like, was that something that drew you to the University of Miami as well? Or was that a, hey, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to work my butt off in every single capacity? Yeah. So I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to because we're cool, right, Jeremy? Um, yeah, we're cool. I, Nobody else has I to didn't know. know exactly, yeah, I didn't know academically what I wanted to do. I made my decision based on the, the basketball, which is yeah. not the right advice. But I mean, I'm just being real here. Um, yeah. And when I got down here, I went into the School of Education. And I thought maybe I'd teach um, or coach. And really quickly, when they put us like into the kids' classes, I was like, I am. this is not for me. I love children, <laughs> but I just can't do this right Um, right the other in the school of education was sported men and i knew Mm. i i knew i loved athletics i actually didn't know how much i loved athletics until my very first college football game which was the unit it was the florida gators at miami and devin opening kickback for the the opening kickoff i i don't even know my football terminology Um, (laughs) and i remember the orange bowl the orange bowl i thought we were all gonna die shaking (laughs) And I remember Aaron Andrews was on the game, like went by the student section doing the Florida Gator chomp. And I was just like, that was my first college football experience. And I was in Miami for probably a whole, you know, two, three weeks. And I just fell in love with the big time because, you know, unfortunately, it just it's just not a thing in Canada um, in terms of like what we put financially, what we put into our sports. Right. So, um, yeah, I was just I. I was like, I'm cool to study athletics, which is probably why I did so well, because I loved I loved going to class. My professors were awesome. I was in class with a lot of my fellow student athletes. Like I had fun. I obviously did my work, but I had so much fun. <laughs> I, I was I look at doctor programs to this day because I keep thinking like, I would love to just go back, just go back and hang out, <laughs> <laughs> do the work. But I think it's kind of like we always hear it in life. But when you're doing things you love, it doesn't seem, you mm-hmm. know, obviously certain classes were a little more daunting, but I dropped math as soon as I was allowed to. I'm not, you know, like I think I wrote a lot. I was, that was maybe my best academic feeling in my whole life was knowing I never had to t- take another math class. So, yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Well, and so uh, clearly you studied sport administration. So when, when did you know that TV or radio or broadcasting in general would be an option for you? Was there a first opportunity in, in college? Was that something post-college? How did you know that this was something you wanted to do? Yeah, so this is the funny story. And I always, in some ways I kick myself, but I don't regret my path, so I don't. But okay, I never studied this in college and I was playing like Power Five. You know, there's coverage, there's people around all the time, but I had no idea I was gonna get into this. I think my junior or senior year, I did a couple coaches shows and some of the, uh, production people um were like you know you present really well on camera no, i didn't think much of it and then one of my teammates her dad was in town for i think our senior night or whatever her senior night and he was like hey you know you should be a sideline reporter in the nba like you're tall it would look good right. i'm like oh that'd be cool <laughs> um and then but i just never actually pursued it i was you know junior senior at that time i had my 
kind of like co- college, you know, I wasn't going to change majors. Like, how do you jump into TV? Right. And then when I graduated, I coached for a year at Gulliver Prep. I did all this stuff down here. And then when my visa expired, I had to go home. And I spent a year where I just was, I was 24, I think. And I was like, I mean, I was living downtown Miami in a high rise. It was American Airlines right at the time, back to my parents' basement. And I thought it was all downhill from there, you know? And I spent a year, I was bartending at a casino. I hung out with my grandma every day. It was the greatest gift because I became such good friends wow. with my grandma. I had this really awesome relationship with her that I was built because I my visa expired. And uh, and then I there was a really good broadcast program right down the street from where I lived, pretty much a city over. And I just went in and said, like, I want to try. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I want to give it Holy a go. Cow. Yeah. And they uh, they allowed me to skip the first year, which was the technical year, which I was grateful for. But when I have tech problems now, <laughs> <laughs> now I work with professionals who are very good because it used to like I cried during a videography assignment. But um yeah, so that's I just one thing kind of led for, to an next, and I never turned any opportunity or gig down, and here I am, which is still very pinch me moments, but everything kind of happened, you know, the way it should have. What an incredible path, and and to show your well, but your willingness also to kind of put yourself out there, right? Because if it stems all the way back to the willingness to be the small fish in the big pond as opposed to the big fish in the small pond, that attitude of like, no, nah, I'm just going to try this, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But this is something worth exploring because I care about it. That's awesome, and and also what, yeah, like you said, what a blessing to be able to go back and and be able to come so close to your grandmother, which I'm sure must have just been really wonderful to have those daily types of conversations. Um, but for you, your your sort of career here has taken you a whole bunch of different places for broadcasting too. I know you've, you've spent time with the Atlanta Dream broadcast. You've done stuff with the Can- Canadian Elite Basketball League as a courtside reporter for them. I don't mean to just be like reading resume here, but provide radio studio uh, analysis for the 2020 Olympic Games. And Before coming down here, as you mentioned, you worked for the Toronto Raptors broadcast as both a reporter and an analyst. And so I have a few different questions that come from all of these stops along the way. The first one I want to address is the Olympics, because I have to imagine that experience was was totally surreal in calling those games, just especially given the circumstances. So what was the experience like for you calling those Olympic games? I was just doing the studio analyst. So right. I was watching the games, then kind of just jumping in. Right, sorry, being time. part of the broadcast. My yeah. apologies. No, I mean, that's just cool because like, I think the thing with the Olympics is it, it's they're such everyone's representing their country and it's just a different, yeah. it is a different layer of pride and you can see just, and also just mutual respect. I mean, those players, uh, it's, it's the FIBA game is to me very physical and fun and I love, I love the FIBA game. Um, but I think with the Olympics, it's, it's just, it's a different, um, it means a lot and it's every four years and people fight, uh, tooth and claw to be out there. So it's something that, especially as I'm watching these games and, um, I'm thinking of the whole time. Right. Well, and, and in doing all of these different roles, it's clear you've worn a lot of different hats, right? You've, you've been the, you know, doing the analysis, you've been the reporter, you've done TV, you've done radio, you've kind of, again, worn a bunch of different hats, jack of all trades here. So do you think that doing all of those things helps prepare you for the different roles? Like, do you think that where being the jack of all trades has helped you kind of hone in your craft? Yeah, I think for me, I knew that 
some of my friends tell me I'm negative. I like to say I'm a realist. Um, I'm not negative, but the reality is, is especially in television or in broadcast, if you didn't have a Hall of Fame huge name as a player and you want to sit in analyst jobs or you want to have this credibility, um, you have to be able to do different things. I knew I wasn't, I knew I wanted to work in the NBA full time, but I knew that it it wasn't, my first job was probably not going to be a, an 82 game analyst, you know? Sure. And so for me, it became, um, I need to be able to develop different skill sets. And so for me, I feel like there's about four jobs that I can fill on an NBA broadcast right now, but that's like what every kind of step or level meant to me is like developing that skill set. So in a position like this now, I'm doing multiple things, which I think probably helped um, help the process for me quite a bit yeah. um, because, and, but that's something I, you know, I'm proud of it. I worked really hard and, and probably my favorite development piece, which wasn't on there was the G league. I'm just, I'm a G right. league. I'm a G league. Just like, love it. Uh, there is, <laughs> I, I am so grateful for my G league experience. I always say there's nothing like it because you show up to a G league game and every single person in that gym, whether it's the players, the coaches, the front office, the broadcasters, the officials, the table, the marketing people, everybody is super grateful that they're there, but they're not there yet. You know what I mean? It's kind of this like unspoken respect that I think everybody has in that league for each other because it's like we're in the grind together. And so yeah. when I see people from the G League that have succeeded, which was a big thing with the Raptors in their roster. And it's a big thing here with the heat. And so I'm, I, there's a part of me that relates to that because I know about that grind and I'm proud of it. And I know a lot of those guys are too. And that's why when you look at the start, um, the record right now at the heat, I think someone like me doesn't panic because these guys know what it's like to grind. Like, you know, a couple games dropped early are not going to put them off. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, that experience I'd say was by far for me the most meaningful um and i just i get so thrilled and then people that are in the g league it's just like you just got to keep working you're right there you're just once you're one call away <laughs> from like what what the dream is and like i said it's not just the players it's literally pretty much anyone that's working there and it's just the coolest environment hearing you in this mindset of the g league of the you know going back to the beginning for you graduating oh, i didn't study broadcasting i'm worked my way through like you have that same sort of chip on your shoulder undrafted mindset that we see from udonis haslam all the way down with all these undrafted guys on the team so for everybody listening amy just blends right into that hardest working toughest you know most conditioned team uh in the league i feel like your mindset fits right into that of of all of these roles do you have a favorite one i know you like to do all of these different things and and wear a lot of different hats here but do you have a, a role that is your favorite to do on a broadcast yeah it's definitely to be calling games as an analyst um i just yeah. love and i love working with you know not just the guy or well woman but most predominantly men beside you um but sure. the entire truck too it's like it's a team and you know we as you know we study we watch film we talk we have conversations trends all this stuff and then just being able to prevent to present that in live television which as you are becoming as we've been talking you're you know there's yes. nothing like live television so i love that i and i you know i love it because i prepare and so right. you go into games feeling prepared but then you also know that if something if it isn't going as planned 
um, there's a lot of people to to help and support as well. So yeah, working with that entire production crew, um, every single person in that truck, and you know the camera operators in the state, everybody deserves so much credit and the more and more that i'm learning about this live broadcast the more i'm understanding just how every little piece needs to go right and so um definitely deserve some love over there well now that we've welcomed you back here to miami and obviously the heat culture seemingly is what drew you in do you have any sort of standout moments from your first number of games here or first interactions with the folks on the broadcast crew or in the truck or anything that stands out is like, all right, I'm here. This is a moment I'm remembering from the beginning of this run. Okay, well, take away all the basketball. My first... Yeah, um, take away the basketball. I don't want to hear about the basketball. basketball. As I was driving yeah. down last minute, um, right when I got on into South Florida... There, I, I was on 95 and there was an iguana on the side of yes. the road about to like run across the street. So that was my first I'm back moment. I, oh, I love you know, that. You don't see that. I don't think anywhere else in in, in the U.S., right? The iguana about to cross, uh-uh. cross the highway. I actually beat my No. Head. I was like, come on, man. Um, as far as uh, the, I think I like to say that Golden State home game. Yeah. Um, I just thought they locked down and played so tough. Tyler hitting the shot. Like, I've had some pretty cool moments early yeah. on. But also just getting to um, Will in the studio uh, when the team's away. I work with him. And then just sitting beside Jax is a is yeah. an experience. It's yes. <laughs> yes. the greatest. So, um, yeah, just it's it, in some ways it's been a blur. But then in other ways, it's just been like everything's been great. So even despite some of the end results, which I know – everyone you know wishes they go the other way around here i think that there's something to be said about just getting up the next day and figuring out how to become better and same thing for me right so hopefully that's what we're all doing every single day and trying to make these broadcasts as great as possible so the game 82 is the best possible broadcast that we're putting on and you know going into the playoffs at our best just like the team would be theoretically and and yes like you said working with and around jacks is the experience uh for me i will say just a, a quick note before we get to our our final little game here um Jax was the second episode of this podcast and oh my first like TV experience at all when I first got hired as our digital host here was like, hey, go on the pregame show and Jax is going to ask you a few questions about, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. And so having him around and that frenetic energy that he has and that, you know, palpable energy that he has was certainly uh, welcoming, but also made for a really good time because it was just a bunch of laughing and being ridiculous the entire time. So uh, shout out to Jax, who I'm yeah, hopefully we're, you know, we're only 30 minutes in or whatever. He, he's probably listening. Um, let's go to um, our game here, which we like to call layup or foul. Um, the way that we're going to do this is I'm going to say a statement. Uh, if it is something you agree with, you'll call it a layup. If you disagree, <laughs> you'll say that's a foul. Um, so the first statement, comedy movies are the best genre of movie hard foul hard foul like, all right what's your hard. what's your what's your favorite uh type of movie and even you know you got a, a list like top three favorite movies or something like that so i love a good old thriller okay. or like crime kind of like thing um my favorite movie and i'm probably gonna get laughed at for this is true lies 
There's something yes. about um, Arnold and Jamie Lee. Yes. And I, I think about this often. It all it also has it has a little bit of comedy. It's got a love story. It's got the sure. action. Like it literally checks every box. Um, another one like that, uh, The Fifth Element. <laughs> okay, okay. I see where we're going in these yeah. types of movies. Yeah, I like it. I like movies like that. The other one, it's it's so funny because somebody brought it up on another show that I was listening to the other day. But I, I always had it on my, one of my top movies was Face Off with John Travolta oh, and Nicholas Cage. Yes. Because um, the acting was incredible. Like they literally took on each other's like traits. This is awesome. Crazy. I remember watching it, I think New Year's Eve when I was a kid, like old enough just to start watching that stuff. And I was mm -hmm. like, this is so intense because John Travolta <laughs> is acting like Nicolas Cage right now. I and love it. That one. So I'm, I'm kind of a junkie like that. You know, I mm -hmm. love, I love that. Uh, I love movies. I'm. A, I actually do love movies, but hard. Right. Are you are you more of a, a movie watcher than like a binge TV show watcher? Um, it depends because if there's a good show on, I do like to binge. But okay. um, I also do you find have myself, any favorites that you've watched recently? Oh gosh, I'm so right now where I'm staying in a temporary housing, they don't have cable, so so it's <laughs> all watching, streaming. I'm watching a lot of Netflix. Um, yeah. and I'm watching a lot of these like crime documentaries. I don't know why, because I like I'm by myself all the time. Yeah, I feel like that's like the worst thing you <laughs> could know, be doing right now. Just like you know, um, I, so I did. I did binge Love Is Blind, but now I'm at a point. I was laughing when right. the new episode came out this morning, and I literally just scrolled to if they said yes or no. Like I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time for the, the editing and all that stuff. I just need to know if they said yes or no. So I'll go back if I have more time to watch the stuff. But yeah, that's hilarious. That's like going back and watching film of a, of a game you already know the score to. You know what I mean? Like, all right, I guess we have to go back and dissect. Yeah. Um, all right. Next statement. My favorite music comes from Top 40 Radio. I probably have to take a layup on that. Yeah? You're, you're a pop music person? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I just, I listen to the radio. I don't know, whatever's on or whatever's hot. You know, I, every once in a while, I'll dive into the last uh, time I was living in Miami, Take Care had just uh, yes. dropped. And so every time I hear that album, I have all these memories of being down here, South Beach. Like, I love. So obviously, there's certain albums that I front to back love. Um, but I'm more I'm just I'm not like a diehard like I, I'm not going to lie. I love music. I just don't spend time like exploring it. So whatever Got I it. hear, I hear. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, yeah, God, the way that music can make us feel nostalgic yeah. for specific moments where you'll listen to something and instantly feel whatever emotions you were feeling the first time you heard it. Like, it's really amazing that way. Mm -hmm. um, all right. As a uh, Canada gal who's living here in Florida, I prefer cold weather to warm weather. Oh, that's a hard foul. All right, good. I well, hate good. I hate cold. <laughs> so, so that's why you're here. <laughs> yeah, no. It's funny. Everyone keeps no. saying that, and my answer is this. Listen, like, the gyms are the same temperature. It doesn't matter where you are. I spend I most that. of my time in the gym, um, and they're the same everywhere. But it's kind of like college again where it's like now that you live in Miami when you do have an off day – there's it's usually a pretty good off day right yep. um so there's definitely some of that but yeah no i'm not a cold i'm not a winter person i hate snow um hate snow oh, that must have been miserable growing up uh, i've been snow. so busy in gyms like last year it didn't yeah. me at all but um yeah i just don't love snow i think i i think my hatred from snow really came to fruition when i moved to miami so and realized it doesn't have yeah, to be like, this no, way. Yeah, you don't know anything else, right? So I'm definitely not going to miss the snow. 
I'll it's probably that. why I think I would like snow. It's because I've yeah. never lived in it at all, ever. I've like seen it for a minute and be like, oh, that's cool. Um, all right. Pastelitos are better than the Canadian dish poutine. I don't know what pastelitos is. What is? Oh that? no! It's a, it's a it's a it's a Cuban snack. We'll we'll call it. It's a Cuban pastry. Uh, oh, well, so then that, I'm gonna go with that because. Oh, I'm you are gonna you, go with that. I I'm a ketchup girl. It's you know I'm I've never been a poutine person. So. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a ketchup girl, so I guess maybe I'll go the other way. <laughs> All, right. All right, perfect. All right, and that wraps up our game of layup and foul. Before we let you go here, Amy, I do want to preview um, what will be, as people are listening to this, tonight's game against the Hornets. Again, a rematch on Saturday. Um, very excited to be joining you on this pregame show and broadcast tonight, so looking forward to being back in the saddle on the sideline. Um, but really, just sort of from a general perspective, I'm sure you know in the time that we're speaking right now to when the game comes, you'll be breaking down even more film than you've probably already watched. Um, but some general things what what is something that you're looking for in these back-to-back games against the hornets that you want to see out of the miami heat yeah i think i coming out super strong i know it sounds cliche but um, actually charlotte plays what would have been last night they host they have portland at home and so they're getting on a plane and they've got a second night of a back-to-back and um if you look at their first quarter they really struggle in the first quarter so i think for the heat they have to know that kind of just licking their chops and i just you look at that portland game and for three quarters you play so good and so right. you're not panicking but at the same time these guys are elite athletes and they're competitors so i know they're probably not feel like they just want to come out and feast and i think that you know when you get a team that is struggling like Charlotte, of course, before this Big Portland time. game, you just you want to take them out early. So I think for me, the first I always say the first five minutes or so um, are, you, you know, you, you can get some momentum. And the NBA is so crazy because you can be down 20 in the fourth quarter and come back, uh, which is why we literally just moment. saw it. <laughs> actually, that was something else that I would my, my second point is just one quarter at a time. Like you just got to throw it mm. off whether it went super great or it didn't go great. Kind of just reset um, because as we saw in the last game, things can change quickly. Big time. And, and you know, it's a good thing that this team has so many guys with that sort of mindset, um, or at least that's how they vocalize it, right? Especially the shooters. Like, you got to you gotta forget. You got to be able to shoot 10 times, miss all 10 of them, and shoot an 11th time. And so it's kind of the same attitude going game by game here. But Amy Otterbert, thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. Everybody can follow her at Amy Otterbert. You can watch her work on the Miami Heat pregame and postgame show. You can listen to her on the Miami Heat radio broadcast during the game. Uh, Amy, thanks again, and, and looking forward to the game tonight. Yes, my pleasure. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota, Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places.